China has downgraded its diplomatic relations with Lithuania after the Baltic state let Taiwan establish an office in its own name. China said it would reduce its diplomatic presence in Vilnius from the level of ambassadorship to the level of charge d'affaires. China's foreign ministry demanded that Lithuania, quote, correct its mistake regarding the Taiwan office. It said that the office created the false impression that Taiwan is separate from China, undermining China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Following China's announcement, Lithuania expressed regret over the move, but defended its right to engage with Taiwan. The country's prime minister said that the new Taiwan office, quote, should not have come as a surprise to anyone. Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu praised Lithuania for its moral courage. Speaking at the Legislative Yuan, the minister said that the purpose of the office was to deepen the bilateral friendship, not to forge official diplomatic ties. China downgraded its diplomatic ties with Lithuania on Sunday. Lithuania's Prime Minister responded shortly after. Our government's program says Lithuania wants a more intense economic, cultural and scientific relationship with Taiwan. The office's establishment should not have come as a surprise to anyone. As Lithuania fights against the expansion of authoritarianism, the world is bearing witness to its moral courage. Everyone is filled with admiration. With regard to China's downgrading of ties with Lithuania, such action is not right. China should not be so overbearingly imperious. The foreign minister was asked about how Lithuania will react to China's latest move. What do you make of Lithuania's response? Will they give in? Uh, it is unlikely. They are very moved by the fact that they are able to establish mutual offices with us. I believe that Lithuania will hold on. What are the chances of making a breakthrough and establishing diplomatic relations with them? Uh, that is not the focus of our work. Following the establishment of the representative office, we will promote our substantive ties. We will be friends. Establishing diplomatic relations is not the focus of our current work. China has long exerted pressure to squeeze Taiwan's diplomatic space. Speaking to CNN, former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger said that he does not foresee a Chinese invasion of Taiwan in the next decade. But he predicted that China will take action to weaken Taiwan's ability to appear substantially autonomous. I don't expect an all-out attack on Taiwan in say, a 10-year period, which is as far as I can see. Kissinger is very advanced in years. Indeed, he is very, very advanced. I don't know what kinds of secrets he has been exposed to that would warrant these statements, but China's military threat to Taiwan does in fact exist. We cannot underestimate China's military threat to Taiwan. As long as the risk exists, Taiwan must be prepared. With the PLA routinely flying jets into Taiwan's defense zone, the world is closely watching the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. no longer has an obligation to keep mentioning one China. That's according to former U.S. Secretary of Defense Randall Shriver, who made the comment at an online event over the weekend. Shriver served two years as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs in the Trump administration. He made a trip to Taiwan last year and met with President Tsai. And the PRC is spending time trying to block Taiwan's participation in uh, the WHO and, and trying to put obstacles in the way of Taiwan making meaningful contributions and helping respond effectively to this. Um, 
There are certain organizations that the PRC has a great deal of influence. It's going to be difficult. That was the comment Shriver made last year during his stay in Taiwan. Over the weekend, he spoke out again in support of Taiwan at an online event held by the Formosan Association for Public Affairs. The former Defense Department official said that the One China concept is based on Beijing's peaceful handling of the Taiwan issue. However, since Beijing has torn up its promises and relentlessly threatens Taiwan, the U.S. no longer has an obligation to refer to One China. Indeed, things between the two nations have not been the same lately. The changes that have occurred in Sino-U.S. relations can be seen in the meetings between the two powers diplomats. We are concerned by several provocative steps that China has carried out designed to increase uh, pressure and coercion vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Taiwan. We intend to carry out our obligations under the Taiwan Relations Act to assist Taiwan in maintaining a credible self-defense. That was during a recent interview with NHK. Over the weekend, U.S. Assistant Secretary of State Daniel Crittenbrink met with Qinggang, the Chinese ambassador to the U.S. However, the meeting this time took place at a restaurant rather than at the State Department, as was the usual practice in the past. The level of reception this time was not as high as previously either, leading to speculations of a rift between the two countries. The United States is seriously looking into China's use of various improper means to poach our diplomatic allies or prevent us from engaging in substantive diplomatic relations with other countries. In the future, many European countries or other countries in the world will definitely improve their relations with Taiwan more substantively. I believe this will be supported by the United States and various countries in the free and democratic democratic world. As support from Taiwan's democratic allies grows and as Taiwan gains greater recognition on the international stage, China may encounter unprecedented headwinds as it navigates the choppy waters of international diplomacy. For the first time, the PLA began deploying military helicopters in its incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone last month. Military experts say this is an attempt at launching a trifibious attack, meaning attacking from the air, on water, and underwater. To counter such an attack, Taiwan recently conducted its own helicopter exercises with its special forces. A CH-47 Chinook helicopter approaches and slowly descends toward its target in the water. Water sprays as the helicopter comes close to the surface. Once a raft is dropped into the water, members of special forces jump into the water one after another. This is part of the Army's infiltration exercise for various water bodies. Their goal is to stay undetected. We must have the ability to launch trifibious surprise attacks against the enemy when necessary. That means in the air, on water, and underwater. Such an operation will be coordinated with the regular forces so that the enemy will be attacked in a pincer move from the front and back as the enemy's commander is ambushed to break the chain of command. 
中華民國空軍廣播，位於台灣西南空域高度三十公尺的中共軍機，注意，請已進入我空域，影响我非常安全，立即回轉脫離。As Taiwan conducted its helicopter drills, China once again sent their military helicopters, AWZ-1 and a Mi-17, into Taiwan's southwest air defense identification zone on Friday. It's only been a few weeks since Chinese military helicopters entered Taiwan's Aegis at the end of October. Professor Su Ziyun points out that the ability to quickly take off and land enables helicopters to launch surprise attacks against targets on the ocean. By conducting drills on the sea, developing relevant guidelines, and calibrating its aircraft, China's goal is very clear. It wants to launch triphibious attacks against targets at sea, and along with attack helicopters and transport helicopters, launch surprise attacks by paratroopers. Civilian vessels might also be used as helicopter pads. We must pay attention to that possibility. Given China's increasingly varied tactics against Taiwan. Military experts are sounding a warning to national defense officials. Taiwan's export orders went up in October, marking the 20th consecutive month of expansion. According to government data released Monday, orders grew 14.6 percent year-on-year to reach 59.1 billion U.S. dollars. That sets a historic high for the month of October. The export orders were driven by the global appetite for 5G and high-performance computing. Orders for electronics were up 13.2 percent, while orders for ICT products rose 8.7 percent. Orders for optical equipment increased 14.1 percent on strong demand for automotive and commercial panels. Looking ahead, the government expects steady growth as the global vaccination effort continues and the world economy recovers. The government expects export orders in November to move up as high as U.S. 60.5 billion dollars. The Taiwan-developed Medigen has taken a step forward to rolling out in Australia. It's been granted a status called provisional determination. That's the first step in Australia's vaccine approval process. Medigen can now apply for provisional registration, which would allow it to be lawfully supplied in Australia. Medigen says it's already preparing the paperwork necessary for its application. During trading on Monday, the companies shared a sword to close Limit Up. Its gains across the board. Medigen shares closed limit up at 228 NT on Monday. Adamune and United Biomedical picked up more than one percent. The rise came amid good news for the Taiwan-developed Medigen vaccine. Australia had granted it a status called provisional determination. This means it's eligible to seek emergency use authorization in the country. We've seen that Australia has issued a news release saying that Medigen can apply for EUA. They released. The news, and of course, Medigen will submit an application. On its official website, Australia's Therapeutic Goods Administration announced the granting of provisional determination. It said that Medigen was now eligible to apply for provisional registration. The vaccine must first be proven safe and effective before it can obtain provisional registration and be supplied in Australia. After this, after we receive the notification, we will communicate with the TGA. We'll put together all the data as quickly as possible and send over the more complete data we have. 
if we obtain EUA in Australia, that means Australia will be able to administer the vaccine. It would also resolve the matter of travel restrictions. Medigen is the sixth vaccine to obtain provisional determination in Australia after AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson and Novavax. Medigen's developer says it's putting together the paperwork for Australia with hopes of expanding its vaccine's global recognition. National Health Research Institute's researchers have found a potential cancer drug that works by blocking multiple pathways of tumor growth. This candidate has proven effective in treating cancer in animal trials. This September, the drug was transferred to a biotech company for further development. Researchers hope to launch the first phase of human trials as early as next year. Unbalanced diets and the stresses of modern life have caused Taiwan's cancer rates to go up. For 41 years now, cancer has been the leading cause of death. In contrast with other diseases, the development of cancer is affected by a vast variety of mutations. Traditionally, treatments seek to inhibit a single target, limiting their effectiveness in eliminating cancer cells. But the National Health Research Institute has discovered a promising new approach. If you want to take the MRT to Taipei Main Station, you can take the red line, the green line, or the blue line. If we want to kill cancer cells and we want to stop them from reaching Taipei Main Station, we can cut off every line of access. That is the advantage of multi-target treatments. Researchers identified a clinical candidate called DBPR114, a multi-target small molecule inhibitor. It can be administered in small doses and causes fewer side effects. It can block multiple pathways of cancer cell growth, overcoming the limitations of single-target drugs. This candidate has been under development since 2007, and the team has won two awards for its preclinical trial findings. Its investigational new drug application was accepted by the US FDA earlier this year. Clinical trials could start as early as 2022. We found that the research and development of this drug is very complete. It's a multi-target treatment. I think that so far in Taiwan, there are no small molecule multi-target drugs. We are honored to work on this treatment. One of the most common things with cancer is relapse. That's when the treatment no longer has any effect on the patient. We've overcome that and we can reduce the side effects because multi-targeted treatments do not require such a high dosage. In recent years, many public figures have passed to cancer. Earlier this month, Taiwan's former envoy to Thailand, Li Ying-yuan, died from ampullary cancer. Colorectal cancer killed actors Zhu Geliang and Hugh Lee, as well as former lawmaker Zhu Gaozheng. Chinese-born British actor Richard Ng died after a battle against liver cancer. The NHRA is teaming up with a biomedical firm in hopes of developing a more effective drug for Taiwan's national scourge. New Taipei City's Mitang Elementary School is nestled in the foothills of Guaning Mountain. This small school offers carefully designed classes that encourage engagement with the natural worlds. In one class, kids explore the local mountain on guided hikes. Here at Mitang Elementary School in New Taipei's Bali District, the children are getting ready to hit the trails with a guidance counselor. They're headed to the nearby Guanyin Mountain for an outdoor lesson. Mitang Elementary School is in the foothills of Guanyin Mountain, so the challenge of conquering Inghanling has always been part of our program, but it was only in 2016 that we officially launched a school-wide mountain climb to mark Chongyang Festival. I've carried on with it ever since, for about six years now. 
This is my first time at Inghanling. I feel that the scenery is extremely nice, but you get so tired halfway up. The trail is extremely steep. There were times when I was afraid, like I felt like I would take a tumble, but I never gave up. I persevered till the end. They're led from school to the great outdoors, where they're encouraged to observe, to document, and to discuss. The teacher presents concepts about the mountain ecology to facilitate a closer connection between the children and nature. This is called the Chinese hackberry. Do you see the holes in its leaves? Those are the traces left behind by a feeding insect. You can see so many signs of life on a single leaf. If the teacher sees plants that we learned about in class or plants that she is familiar with, she will present them to the class so that we can get an understanding of Guanyin Mountain. What you see right now, that highest point, that is Jianshan. There are very dense forests to its left and right. Why is that section in the middle missing? There was a rock slide. Exploring Guanyin Mountain is a special course offered at Mitong Elementary School. It gives children a chance to dive deep into the nature of their hometown. In the true spirit of outdoor education, the course is designed to instill respect for the earth. Bird lovers, look up! The black-faced spoonbill is a magnificent wading bird that visits Taiwan each winter. And right now, they're here in greater numbers than ever before. The birds can be spotted in Tainan, Yunling, Jiayi, and Kaohsiung. A survey by Taijiang National Park unearths the factors shaping record spoonbill numbers this year, including the bird's success in breeding as well as climate change. Every year in early September, black-faced spoonbills start arriving in Taiwan South to overwinter here until next spring. This year, the vanguard appeared in mid-September at the Sital Wetlands Waterbird Protection Area in Tainan before more large contingents of spoonbills flocked to Taiwan shores. A general survey of black-faced spoonbills by Taijiang National Park suggests 3,315 birds have arrived. But early November is not yet the peak. There could be a new record made in December or January, say experts. Cold weather fronts are coming south earlier, which has caused some migratory birds to migrate south earlier. The spoonbills are here early and already in higher numbers than ever before. Their early migration is linked to the global climate crisis as well as high numbers of spoonbills being born. The birth rate is higher than the death rate, so the population is growing steadily by about 200 or 300 individuals a year. Birdwatchers noted that a familiar face is back. A bird that caught botulism was treated and then tagged with the code T85 before being released is back in Taiwan. T85 was released into the wild by Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhe, who's delighted his feathered friend is visiting again. A spoonbill that was wounded in Taiwan returns to Siberia and then the next year comes back to Taiwan. That confirms one point, that we're doing great with our conservation work. There have never been so many black-faced spoonbills in Taiwan before, but the population will only increase as we head deeper into winter. For conservationists at Taijiang National Park, it's all hands on deck to carry out ecological surveys and manage the birds' roosting sites. They'll work with fishermen to create a bird-sensitive protection area. They hope the spoonbills coming to Taiwan can go from strength to strength in years to come. Have you ever tried sea grapes? This edible algae is so delicious, it's also known as vegetarian caviar. Once a specialty of Okinawa, the algae are now also grown in Penghong County. 
But with COVID shutting down export lines, the market has gotten tough for secret farmers, leading them to branch out. Let's head to Penghu to find out more. Farmer Chen Dingwei pulls his crops out of a cultivation tank. These sparkling crystalline fruit are sea grapes. The green clusters look grape-like, but growing them is painstaking work. One thing it does is that when it reaches its peak, it starts to detach. You have to make it reattach. It's at its best from 45 to 60 days. Over 60 days, it starts to disappear. Sea grapes are a kind of green algae. Its distinctive texture earned it the name vegetarian caviar. Okinawa was once the only spot where you could eat farm-grown sea grapes. But in the Penghu Islands, climate and sea conditions are similar to Okinawa, and in recent years, it's become a domestic sea grape center. But COVID has meant farmers have no way to export the crop, which is why this biotech expert stepped in to help. Originally, these fresh sea grapes gave people an opportunity for a kind of vegetarian caviar. With the pandemic last year and this year, the sales avenues got blocked. So we quickly moved to bringing this ingredient into our company to do research. Just Chen's farm alone can produce 10,000 kilograms of sea grapes a year. These biotech experts are hoping to turn the delicious algae into an organic health food line sometime soon. Taiwan's weather took a chilly turn overnight on Monday as seasonal winds swept in from the northeast. You can expect even lower temperatures tomorrow, as low as 13 degrees in northern Taiwan. Scattered showers are also expected in the north. At mountainous areas 3,000 meters above sea level, there's even a chance of snow. Let's hear from a forecaster. Temperatures went down significantly today. The ambient temperature at noon was 8 to 10 degrees lower compared to yesterday. This wave of moisture will mainly affect central and northern Taiwan, as well as the eastern half. Today and tomorrow, high-altitude areas in central and northern Taiwan, that's mountains above 3,000 meters or even 3,500 meters. Areas with lower temperatures may see snow. Temperatures will start to bounce back on Wednesday with the weakening of the northeasterly winds. But the warm weather won't last for long. Another wave of northeasterly winds will sweep in starting Friday, so keep your hope handy for the rest of the week.